Welcome to Daily Daf Differently, a Jcast Network podcast in collaboration with the Conservative Yeshiva in Jerusalem. This daily podcast invites you to join us to study the Daily Talmud page with a variety of liberal rabbis and teachers. For more information about the Conservative Yeshiva, please visit conservativeyeshiva.org. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Hi everyone, Jeremy Kalmanowski with you, Learning Track. Thank you about Kitsu Book, page 63. But as I promised yesterday, we're going to continue with the last of 62b, which includes a very famous story, and we can't let this one pass without telling the story. Yesterday, we uh, looked at a number of passages in which, while the Talmud says the rule is that sages can go away for their families for two and three years, or even 12 or 13 years to study, uh, it also told, and the families just have to suck it up because Torah is the most important thing, and and you know that's what a real sage does. Um, and we also looked at anecdotes in that passage yesterday that showed a much subtler view in which the rabbis are critical of people who go far away in that uh, in, in abandon their families. However, the page ends with a famous story, which we'll read now, which is a great celebration of such a mode of life. We are down at the bottom of 62b. Four lines up from the bottom, near the near the leftward edge of the line, Rabbi Akiva Raya de Ben Kalba Savuahava. Rabbi Akiva was a shepherd in the employ of the man named Kalba Savua, which means fat dog. Chazite barate de Havatsania Umale. His daughter saw him. Kalba Savua's daughter saw Rabbi Akiva and saw how modest and how really virtuous he was. Amrale if I will agree to marry you, will you go study in the house of the master? Amar la in. And he says, yes. Like Romeo and Juliet, they have a secret marriage. Vishadarte. And she sends him off to uh, to study. Shama avuha apkamibete. And the father heard the rich man heard that his daughter married the stupid shepherd, and he throws her out of the house. Adra Hana'a Menichse, and he vows that she is to have no benefit, he disowns her, that she has no benefit from his property. Azil Yativ Tresar Shanin Beverav, Rabbi Akiva sends 12 years off in the academy. Ata, ki ata aite behade Tresar alfe Talmideh. And when he comes back, there are 12,000 disciples trailing after him. Rabbi Akiva now returns back, and he's, he's reached the town, and he hears that old man, that is to say his father-in-law, saying to the, uh, saying to, to the wife, whose name we know from another story is Rachel, Ad kama ka medabrat almanut chayim. How long are you going to be a living widow? If he would listen to me, he, she responds, responds, if you listen to me, I come and spend 12 more years there. Amar, and Rabbi Yisrael says to himself, Oh, Oh, I have her permission. And he goes and spends another 12 years in the, in the academy. He comes back with 24,000 students trailing behind him. Sham Adibitu, 
Hava ka nafka lape. And so she hears and she goes out to meet him. Amru la sivavata sha'ile man ilavush ve'ichsai. Her neighbor said to her, "Oh my God, you're dressed so terribly. Borrow some clothing so you so you look so you look good." Amralaho, and she says to them, strange verse. She says to him from the from Proverbs, "Yodeat tzadik nefesh behemto." The righteous knows the soul of his beast. Somehow, that she is the beast in that metaphor. Somehow, she's the animal. Uh, she'll he'll recognize me. Kimatya legabe nafla al apa. And So when he finally gets there, 24 years later, she falls at his feet, she begins to kiss his feet. And his students, Shmae, his students were pushing her away from him. And he, Rabbi Kiva says to the students, Leave her alone. My learning and yours really belong to her. So he, he praises her for having let him go away for 24 years. And he comes back with the 24,000 disciples, and it's a happy ending, and her father regrets what he's, what he's done, and he gives the happy couple, 24 years later, half of his wealth. It's a wonderful story, uh, although I think the modern reader finds it a little bit um, hard to swallow. The praise of the woman for having sent him away for 24 years and sat there in her own miserable suffering for all this time. And the text goes on to say that their child... Went and did the same thing for uh, for Ben Azai. She let she let him go off for all those years. Although elsewhere in the Talmud it says that Ben Azai never married, so it's hard to reconcile those two stories. The rest of our page is taken up with the case of a moredet, that is a, a woman who refuses to do something. What is she rebellious? Literally rebellious. What is she rebellious of? The Talmud entertains the possibility that she is rebellious and refuses to do the household labors that is part of the economic relationship of marriage, uh, although it ultimately rejects that possibility and understands moredits to mean that she refuses unilaterally to have sex. It's also possible, of course, for the man to be a mored and refuse to have sex. And the idea is that the, if the man is mored, he has to increase her kitubah, that is to say the payment that will come upon the dissolution of marriage, either at his death or by divorce. And if she is a moredet, um, she loses some portion of her ketubah, seven dinarim a week, or perhaps half of that, and the courts make uh, a public announcement that she is a moredet, and her friends and everybody are supposed to exert moral suasion on her to, uh, to get in line. Now, on this page, there is an incredibly important text that shapes uh, Jewish marriage law and discussion about Jewish marriage law that uh, I want to reference to you because it has major ethical implications as well. On the bet side of our page, eight lines up from the bottom, we uh, ask the question, Hey, chidamya moredet. What is the, what is the definition of moredet? Amara meimar. De amra, the woman says, I want to remain married to him. I'm just causing him agony. I'm just trying to hurt him. I'm just trying to be difficult here. That's the moredet who uh, is supposed to be the subject of moral suasion and financial penalty to get her back into the marriage and, and to resume regular marital life. Here's the important part. Aval amra ma'is alai lo kaifinan la. But if she says, he is simply repulsive to me, I do not want to be married to this guy anymore. We do not force her. We do not, re we do not exert all that moral suasion to uh, induce her to return to the marriage. Marzutra amar kaifinan la. And Marzutra says, however, we do exert 
uh, certain kinds of pressure upon her. Even when she says, Ma'isalai, he's repulsive to me. The story goes on and tells that Marzutra once did that, in fact, and uh, a very estimable sage was the resultant child. However, the Gemara very clearly says, Velohi, that is not right. You should not, in fact, uh, induce her to return to a marriage once she has said, Ma'isalai. And the fact that there was once a miracle from heaven to produce a great child doesn't mean that that's the pro proper procedure in the future. Now, you can obviously tell that the claim of Ma'is Alai, he's simply repulsive to me, I don't want to be married to him anymore, remains very close, or sounds very close, like woman-initiated divorce. Those of you listening to this podcast know that in Jewish tradition, uh, we mostly have male-initiated divorce, and in the 21st century, we still have the problem of, of women who cannot obtain their own divorces. The claim of Ma'is Alai, um, would enable the woman to initiate her own divorce. I do not want to be married to him. Now, according to Halakha, in that case, she would have to forego the kitubah. She would have to forego the financial support, but she could get her divorce. In fact, that is Maimonides' precise ruling in Hilchot Ishut, in the Laws of Marriage, in chapter 14. Rambam says, Ha'isha shemana ba'ala mitashmishamita, a woman who prevented her husband from having sexual relations, he creates moredet. She's called the rebellious one. Why have you rebelled? If she says, I find him repulsive, and I simply cannot have sex with him willingly, we compel him to divorce at once. Because she is not a captive who must have sex with somebody who is repulsive to her. But she does leave without any of the Kitubah payment. Uh, that would be a pretty great system. The fact of the matter is, a pretty good system at any rate, the fact of the matter is that the Ashkenazi authorities, led by Rabbeinu Tam and the Tosafot on our page, they just get suspicious about women having too much power and the ability to say, well, I'd rather have this one, you know, maybe she's cast her eye on somebody else, and she doesn't really find him repulsive, she just wants to choose somebody else. Modern times, we might think that's okay, but that certainly I didn't think that was okay in medieval times. And so, uh, over time, the claim of Ma'isalai, which is very clear in our Gemara, should be grounds for a woman to initiate divorce, and it's very clear that Maimonides says, that women don't have to remain married, certainly not remain sexually uh, in a sexual marriage with somebody that they do not like, um, that ceased to be a valid claim to initiate divorce. But maybe one day it will uh, return to the top of the halakhic agenda. Okay, thanks for learning page 63 with me. Look forward to speaking with you tomorrow. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Daily Daf Differently, and that you'll join us again tomorrow for a new page. The music at the open and close of this episode is Ufros from the Epic Horus album One Bead, available on Bandcamp, iTunes, and Spotify.